0: Isaiah chapter 40, Pastor Josh will be preaching from verses 3 through 5, but I'm going to begin back in verse 1 to give us some context. So this is Isaiah chapter 40, first five verses of the chapter. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins,
1: Let us pray. Our Lord, as we uh, come uh, now to your word, we pray, uh, Father, that by your Spirit you would be pleased to speak to us in such a way that we would be transformed With ever increasing glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our friends, it's good to be with you on this uh, first of our new schedule on uh, Sunday morning with our 9:13 and 11 as we shift over to our, our summer schedule. And uh, we had a very good uh, stars race yesterday. How many of you? Managed to complete that race, number of you. Um, I believe that. I think that Dan Hibben was the faster pastor. <laughs> uh, he was the one who won that particular inside competition. And uh, we have this uh, new forum going on at 9:30 as well, that uh, Pastor Josh Maurer is leading. And obviously that's at this hour, but. If you went to that one and came to the 11 o'clock service next week, that that would be fine as well, if if you so wish. But if you all do that, we'll have a very big 11 o'clock service, so don't, don't all do it. The passage we're looking at this morning is teaching us that comfort comes from seeing the glory of God. As we saw uh, last week, uh, this uh, chapter 40, and we're now in the second in our series in Isaiah chapter 40, is all about comfort. And we defined uh, last week comfort meaning more than merely sympathy, uh, but strength, courage encouragement as we saw last week that comfort was spoken at the time in the context of God's people having just heard that they were going into exile and therefore the comfort that God was providing was not a comfort that was based upon their circumstances how they were feeling how they were doing in their career or their environment or their their, their finances or their, their, their homes Uh, but as we saw last week upon the proclaimed gospel of God. And this theme of comfort runs throughout this chapter 40, and indeed it really runs throughout the second half of the book of Isaiah, from chapter 40 all the way to chapter uh, 66. And as we come now to this section, Isaiah is applying how to get that comfort. And he is saying that comfort comes from seeing the glory of God. Now why should we listen to this as we saw last week? I think part of the reason why we need to engage in this study of comfort over the summer weeks is because many of us these days are sensing a need for comfort. We've been through a crazy time of history, and we're still feeling that we're in the midst of it in many ways. And, and so we sense this need for comfort. Uh, by the same token, uh, many people today are looking for comfort in the wrong sort of places by where they live, what job they do. I've got to change something because I need Comfort. Some people are looking for comfort through a search for who they really are internally with a set of a new set of identity there 's this shift that 's going on as people look for comfort so, as we saw last week, we need to dive into what the Bible says about where real comfort comes from, but in particular this morning there 's this Aspect of that comfort that many people, if they're not looking for, they need, which is a renewed sense that life means something, that there's a bigger purpose. That we're a part of some bigger story, even a glorious one. And so we need to listen to what uh, the prophet Isaiah is preaching to us this morning, which is, as, as I say, in summary is comfort comes from seeing the glory of God. Let's see how he preaches that to us. First of all, we have a preacher Verse 3, a voice cries. This is actually the first of three voices that Isaiah will now introduce. The first voice is the voice we're looking at this morning from verses 3 to 5. And then there's a second voice, verses 6 to 8. Again, verse 6, a voice says. And then there's a third uh, voice from verses Uh, 9 to 11, where the voice is introduced as uh, this herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. And so one aspect of uh, what is going on here in this uh, chapter 40 is that uh, God is uh, commissioning heralds, preachers. So uh, we're told in verse 2, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. And there are these three messages that we looked at last week. Well, now come along three voices that preach those three messages. It's a voice crying. It's a preacher. This is very important. We pay attention to this. Martin Luther, in his lectures uh, long ago on this uh, chapter forty of the book of Isaiah, describes how that the uh, the prophet Isaiah is therefore saying that it is through a preacher that all spiritual life begins, and he at some length dismisses the idea that we can have a spiritual encounter through vague feelings. God sends a voice a preacher it is his way as uh, the apostle paul puts it in romans chapter 10 how will they believe unless a preacher preaches to them i remember the first time i really heard a preacher i grew up uh, in uh, the uh, church of england in in, uh, in a, suburb of London, and the church we went to was a very good church. It was, as uh, Kurt, Pastor Kurt has already defined, an evangelical church in the sense that it believed in the good news of the gospel and salvation through faith and had a belief in the authority of Scripture, a, a, a theological definition of what evangelical was. It was an evangelical church of England, church. It was a very good church It had a thriving youth ministry. I I still remember the, the the games we used to play and the fun we had and the, uh, the, the 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 leaders who invested in us and discipled us it was a It was a very good church indeed but the preaching well it wasn't wasn't heretical, but well, I think the poor brother has probably gone to glory now, so it won't he, he doesn't care anymore if I say this, but uh, there were a few of us who used to joke after hearing him preach that it was like listening to a man trying to fight his way out of a paper bag. It's like, what is he talking about? And my father took me to hear a preacher In the city of London, a man called Dick Lucas. And I was a teenager when I first heard him preach. I don't remember what he said anymore. But I remember a note of authority. Here was a voice that cried. We need a preacher. A voice that cries. Oh, we should read the Bible ourselves. Oh, we should have small groups and adult communities and, 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 and talk over coffee about Jesus. But God, in His wisdom, has set up preachers. A voice cries as a preacher. What does the preacher say? Well, he says, uh, get prepared. So, we have a a preacher and then we have preparation. So, again, verse 3, in the wilderness, what is his message? In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's interesting here in the Hebrew. These are imperatives, that is, they're commands. Prepare the way. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then, uh, And it's metaphorical language, of course, uh, illustrative language. It then carries on uh, the perfect tense, but used prophetically of the future, described by the prophet as if it has already happened, so correctly translated as the future. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain a hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. It's preparation. Uh, Rashi, the medieval rabbi, talks about how this is saying essentially that there is a smooth way to be made through the desert. Of course, God's people were in exile, and the Araba, the part then of the Arabic desert, was a barrier between them and coming home, and there needed to be a highway, a way made in the desert for God's people to come home. And yet, the language here is clearly more than merely about God's people coming back from Babylon. Babylon. Uh, the language is miraculous. Every valley should be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. Uh, this, this is. I, I, I'm not very good at construction. In fact, um, Rochelle. Uh, Or likes to tease me about how bad I am at building things. It took a long time for her to really believe that I was as bad at building things as I really am. In fact, one birthday she bought me a drill. Which I think I, I may have used. She's definitely used it a lot more than I have. It's hard to believe just how bad I am at building things. But it's really true. One time when there was a storm outside our house and the fence was knocked down by the storm and we had some children coming over to play with our children the next day and so the fence needed to be put back up because it uh, bordered on a road and so there needed to be a fence back up and my wife said you need to put the fence back up The are children coming around tomorrow so I dutifully went out in the garden and worked to put the fence back up only to discover the next day that it had been put back up upside down. And it had one of these curved bits, which was meant to be on the top. (laughs) So I hesitate to lecture you on construction. And yet, as bad as I am at building things, and as impressive as the feats of human construction are, the kind of tunnels that go through the Alps in France and Switzerland and Italy, The Transcontinental Railroad, which was built in in, in America in the the 19th century. The the Alaskan Highway that was built in the Second World War soon afterwards. These extraordinary feats of human construction. But as far as I know, we've never flattened a whole mountain. Something amazing is happening. And in fact, another... Rabbi uh, Ibn Ezra actually admits that this prophecy of return from Babylon functions here only as an illustration of a bigger return. If you have a, a Bible with me, turn with me to Luke chapter 3. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, this is verse 4. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight his paths make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain hill shall be made low. The crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. It's just quoted right from Isaiah. He said, who is this? A preacher. In fact, John the Baptist. And in fact, and I've done the work in the text, so I won't go to all all the way through this, this morning, but, but I think that the, the specific applications that John the Baptist makes to his uh, 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 audience are aligned with the valley shall be filled and every mountain made low and the crooked shall become straight. Of course, his message is a message of repentance. Verse 8, Bear fruits in keeping with Repentance. Don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. In other words, be prepared by by what means? That is, repent. And what what does repentance mean? Well, it means every valley should be filled, every mountain hill should be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level. What does that mean? Well, then verse 10, as I say, John the Baptist, I think, applying this, the crowds asked him, what shall we do? Whoever has two tunics to share with him who has none, and whoever has food to do likewise, uh, tax collectors, what shall we do? Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers, what shall we do? He said to them, don't extort money, don't abuse your powerful position." Get ready. Get prepared. Martin Luther, again, in his amazing lectures on this book of Isaiah, says that the preparation is twofold, two parts to it. You Think about it. You've got the mountains coming down, the valleys going up. So there's two folds to it, two parts to the preparation. One part, he says, (laughs) typically for Luther, he says, which is easy, First part is get rid of gross sins. Stop cheating um, tax collectors. Don't abuse people, soldiers. Get rid of gross sins. He said, that's that's easy, Luther says. The second part, which is difficult, is get rid of all self-reliance. Mountains brought down. Valleys lifted up. Get prepared. So we have a preacher. We have uh, uh, preparation. And the uneven ground and the rough places, uh, these are... Of the same illustrative material that the rough place is literally is a is a is a bound place. In other words, the idea seems to be it's kind of so close together it needs to be shifted, made level like a valley. Mountains down, valleys up, preparation. And then we have an encounter. Comfort comes from seeing the glory of God. Look at, look at verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. That is, I think it means not just the Jewish people, but Gentiles as well. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, which is one of Isaiah's characteristic ways of emphasizing the significance of this preached point. The preacher is saying what God is saying. A voice cries for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What what does it mean by the glory of the Lord shall be revealed? Again, think of that rabbi, Ibn Ezra, knew that, that, and if you read the rest of the Old Testament, they knew that the return from Babylon and the, the rebuilding of the temple was as nothing compared to what had been promised. And when is the glory going to come? Again, if you still have your Bibles open, come back to Luke chapter 3. You'll find out. You have a preacher. You have a preparation. And then verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him, that is Jesus, in bodily form like a dove, symbolizing the presence of God. And a voice came from heaven, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. The glory of God. They had to get ready because God was going to show up in the person of Jesus. And as the apostles and the New Testament reflected on this, they realized this more and more. You don't have to turn there with me, but you might like to look at it afterwards. Second Peter chapter 1, Peter says this, For when... He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. They realized that moment he was being evidently before all flesh, both Jew and Gentile, glorified. And they saw it. And it is recorded for us in the Word of God that we might also encounter that glory. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says this, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Comfort comes from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ through his preached word by the work of the Spirit. Say, so, okay, so that's what the text is about. How does that help me with? This need I feel for comfort and encouragement and a new motivation for life and a sense of transcendence and meaning and a new commitment to God and his church and his mission in the world and all that. Two things. First, get ready. And then get glory. Get ready. Look, look here. Now, we at College Church speak as we should much about the sovereignty of God. And yet, here, there is a note of our responsibility. Prepare the way of the Lord. In the wilderness, you, you may sense that your heart feels like it's a desert place now. Get ready for an encounter with God. Prepare. Turn away from any known gross sins. Turn away from self reliance. I can do it. I don't need church. I don't need God. I'm fine. You're not going to encounter the glory of God with that attitude. You've got to get ready. Richard Sibbs, the, the great uh, Puritan preacher, would say that it is necessary that the reed, that is a bruised reed, the plant is bruised so that there can be an encounter with the glory of God. There is a necessary transformative work. By the Spirit, it is, in the end, miraculous. Mountains brought down, valleys lifted up. Only God can do that. But we must get ready Yeah, read the Bible, pray, come to church, use the means of grace. Seek him. You know, I sometimes hear in Christian conversations these days, when's the next revival coming? When is God going to do something about what's going on in our culture or our times? Here here comes a word from the Lord, a voice crying. In the wilderness, prepare. Prepare. Get ready. In other words, we have, we have some responsibility here, and I don't intend to pass out all the complexities of God's sovereignty and our human responsibility this morning, but clearly there is a responsibility. Get ready, Scottish Church. Seek Him. Don't sit back and go, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, where's God these days? What's he doing? Get ready? Why aren't there more volunteers? Maybe you should volunteer. Why aren't people telling people about Jesus these days? Maybe you should do it. Get ready. Put off gross sins. Put down arrogant self-reliance. Get ready and then get glory. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. So easy, isn't it, for us to look for glory in the wrong places, whether it's our sports team doing well. Uh, uh, When um, I watch an England rugby game and they win, my family will tease me because after having watched it, I'll come down and say, we won. It's like, well, you weren't playing. (laughs) That's that kind of... well, uh, it's fine to watch things and, you know, that's fine. But that's not really where the glory is, is it? Nor on your financial success. Nor on your family and how they're doing. Ultimately, it's in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where the glory is. And when you see that, like, <laughs> like Luke Skywalker long ago in that first Star Wars movie when he was in the desert and yet got a vision for the glory that could be as he gave his life to the, the real work that he was called to. If, if that helps for you as an illustration. Or as the old hymn puts it, in his glory, in his bosom there is glory that transfigures you and me. He who died to make men holy, let us die to make them free. Why? Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. When you see that, Everything else is put into its right perspective, and comfort comes from seeing the glory of God. Let's pray together. We do pray, Lord, that you would help us to be prepared. to do our part, Lord, in your work in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that uh, this morning we would leave with a fresh taste, a fresh sense, a fresh sight of you, Lord Jesus, and your glory. Please transform us into ever-increasing likeness into your image, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.